More than half of all companies globally are family-owned or operated. Family businesses contribute 70% of the world's GDP and account for 65% of jobs. Their voices are important. Their stories must be told. Brought to you by the award-winning publication, Tharavat Magazine. This is the Family Business Voice with your host, Ramya Elagami. On this episode of the Family Business Voice, we speak to Lorette Rondonet, who discusses her journey with Edlong, a family business known as a leading innovator in the food flavorings industry. Lorette has been Edlong's principal owner, president and CEO since 2012, making her the first and only woman to own a food flavoring company in the world. She sits on the board of several national and international business organizations and currently serves as the Vice President and Secretary of the Flavor and Extract Manufacturers Association of the United States. Lorette talks to us about what it takes to build a culture of innovation in a legacy business, the role of family dynamics, and the journey towards defining her own leadership style. Enjoy this episode with Lorette. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the Family Business Voice. I am very happy to welcome my guest today, Lorette Rondonet, who is the CEO of Edlong. Welcome, Lorette. I'm glad we are finally getting the chance to have a conversation. It has been a journey here for us, like, and we're very excited to have you on the show uh, because of that, but also because... I feel like there's a great many topics we would like to talk about today. I think like first and most of all, I would say like your family business, Edlong. Let's dive in first, maybe with the legacy business side of things. I think it's always a very interesting question to ask people that are actually part of a family business. You're today the CEO of your family business, which is like, I can only imagine how many hats that means you wear on a daily basis. Uh, many, I'm sure. And there's that whole being a mom of five boys. So yeah. Yeah, well, we will dive into that. Like we, I think that needs to be dropped into this podcast as well. It's a definitely necessary conversation to have. But let's start with the family business. Tell me, what was that like for you growing up? And how did you get to know about the family business? Was it like a constant presence? Or were you suddenly introduced to it? Do you remember how that happened? I think a constant presence is a good way to say it. I don't remember life without Edlong in our family. So yes, being the youngest of seven and and very much farther away than the other six. So a Catholic family, my mom had six kids under the age of seven. And then five years later, I came along. So there was definitely a gap. And I think that gap, my dad and I were like best buds. So he would take me to the hardware store, to the nursery. And, you know, he was a big gardener. And I ended up growing up hanging out at Edlong a lot, climbing on spray dryers and really getting to know the business. Your dad was the CEO, right? Like at the time. So he was the CEO for many years. Yes, he was a CEO and um, owner for many, many years. So it's always been a, a part of our family and a part of my life for sure. When did it start for you that you were like, you know what, actually, I'd love to do what dad does. I want to take over from him. I want to do this job. It's so funny because I used to say I'm going to run the place, even when I was really little. And the the funny thing about that is that my brother was heir apparent. So my brother, Chris, he's uh, 10 years older than me. So he had such a different path. His path was very laid out by my dad. He was told, you're going to go to K-State. You're going to get a biochemistry degree. Very much your heir apparent. And 
probably when I was around eighth grade, my brother decided, you know, that's not the path for me. I want to be a teacher. I don't ever want to move back to Chicago. He was living in California at the time. And this is not really my passion. So that's when my vision got clearer and clearer. And around that time, my dad brought my sister and I to an IFT, which is our huge, it's the Institute of Food Technologists. It's a big conference. There's 30,000 booths. And it was my first exposure to the food industry. I always liked science and ended up going to Purdue and majoring in food science. I remember having a conversation with my dad when I was in college and he was like, no promises. Such a different conversation than he had with my brother. And then when I, I graduated from Purdue and I worked at Keebler as an intern and then I worked at Ball Corporation. And shortly thereafter, he, the call came, you know, he's like, it's time for you to join the family business. So I got there in the perfect storm. It was a, it was a tough time. It was definitely a crucible time for my dad. They had um, invested a lot into some equipment and lost a major customer, kind of, a, you know, just that the bank calling the loan, very stressful. My, my uncle Bud, who's our family friend, came and flew into O'Hare with a suitcase and full of money. It was like, it's a wonderful life. And paid off the bank and my dad had to sign his life away in personal guarantees. But that was really when we became true partners. We changed the culture a lot from kind of more of operational run company to customer intimacy and really, you know, being of service. Within 18 months, we turned it around and um, the bank released all the guarantees. And it was, uh, we would talk every night. It was really a fun time and scary at the same time, but hmm. amazing how fun it can be when you've got nothing to lose, sort of. You just go all in, you know? But I mean, like you say, you got nothing to lose, but in, in that moment, you have everything to lose, really, right? Like, I mean, it's like, it's the family legacy. You don't want to be the generation that lets the side down. I mean, at long, we have to remember, right? Like, I believe it was established in 1914, if I'm not mistaken. 1914, so very... Very old business. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I felt the weight of the world on that. And I, I would look at my dad's face almost like you look at a flight attendant when there's turbulence and you're like, are they okay? Like, If they're okay, we're okay. Can something be said for the fact that you had no pressure to join actually like really contributed to you being very motivated? Or do you feel like if he had approached things differently with your brother or with one of your other siblings, it might have turned out differently? I think that my brother's path must have been really hard. I think being a son is a whole different ball game. And I loved the fact that it was never forced on me. You have to want it. You have to love it. You have to have passion. And I think of that with my children. Almost to a fault, I used to not talk about work. I've gotten better as they're getting older that I do share. I do share now. And now we've started having our own family meetings. Nothing intense, just kind of getting them comfortable with P&Ls, you know, and understanding what, you know, what it entails. But yeah, you can't force it on any of them, that's for sure. Talk to me about sort of like finding your leadership style and also what is it that you mean by untamed leadership? Yeah, it's so true. You cannot be your father. You have to find your own voice. You have to find your own leadership. And that's not easy. It is not easy. I feel that, especially being the youngest of seven, I looked up to my siblings 
I wanted to please them. I'm definitely a people pleaser, a recovering people pleaser, I'd like to say. (laughs) And I would make decisions trying to please everybody and make everybody happy. And I had to find the strength and the courage to make the decisions that I knew were best for the business. And believe me, those are not always easy when it comes to family. Hardest part. But I knew it was my job. And there was hundreds of people depending on me to do my job. So I think it's trusting your own intuition and and really leading from your own heart. There was a moment, I just recently wrote a post about this that really I felt channeled even in writing it. It felt so therapeutic in a way. But we are sought after by so many, many people want to buy Edlong, which is a compliment and it's it's amazing. The voices in your head, though, imposter syndrome, whatever you want to call it, can they do it better than me, would haunt me. It was distracting. There was a lot of feeling, you know, now you better sell now because, you know, the multipliers are amazing and who knows, they might go away. And I had to sit with that for a while. And then I woke up and there was a fire in my belly. Like, no, they cannot do it better. We can do this. This is we. and we are an amazing company with an amazing culture. So that really, the title of the post was, you know, it's like, on the contrary, I'm not going to sell. I am the storm, you know? So it's been kind of fun to disrupt and shake up this industry, being the only woman-owned flavor company in the world. Pretty cool. And I, I, it would break my heart to let that go. I would feel like failure. So... I needed that fire in the belly to get me out of my comfort zone. You're also in an industry that's fast moving, fast changing, is very dependent on being very highly innovative. How do you enable innovation while also sort of like, I guess, really trying to value and hold on and celebrate your traditions? I feel like right now it's an interesting time with innovation. The whole plant-based movement has created so much collaboration. And I love that. I feel like the innovation now is coming through more seats at the table. We just did a webinar recently around plant-based that we sponsored. And we had the fats companies, the stabilizers, the proteins, that people that add the proteins. So the experts in their discipline around the table talking about an industry issue. That's where I see innovation coming from. And the innovation is faster because you're around the table. You're not all doing it one by one. I mean, we're a component, they're a component. Why not work together? And you get a better result that way. So plant-based, I think, is really exciting and it's forcing the food industry to collaborate and be more entrepreneurial. You know, so many big CPGs, the Pepsis, Nestle's of the world have a very long innovation cycle. 18 months before they can launch a product. And they're getting pressured by the entrepreneurial companies now to make that significantly faster, which I think is great for our industry and great for us. And they're, they used to be, some still are, you know, preferred vendor. They only work with X, Y, and Z flavor company, for example. And they're definitely opening their eyes to, you got to go to the experts. There's, Flavor companies that go from strawberry to meat flavors. And we focus on 
the essence of dairy, be it non-dairy dairy, which is so confusing, or dairy layers. It really is. <laughs> Can you guys do something about it? <laughs> it's so hard to explain that, but I think the best way is you know you you see something on the shelf or even eat it if you're vegan. These cheddars that are not real cheddar, they're plant based, so you can't use dairy in them. So we have to make a non-dairy cheddar flavor. And it's amazing. Over half of our line now is in that non-dairy dairy category. So, and they're amazingly good and authentic and taste like cheddar. It's so cool. Our industry is so cool. It's a fascinating industry. And as you said, fast evolving. Uh, we also know so much more about what consumers want now as opposed to previously, right? Like, so that massive difference between, I guess, your father's time as a CEO uh, and, you know, your your previous family members who were in charge and what you're facing is there's so much feedback and there's so much data that comes into it. So can you talk to us a little bit more, maybe Lorette, about like how you use technology and that data that's available to you to safeguard, I guess, the competitive advantage that you've just described, essentially? FEMA, Flavor and Extract Manufacturers Association, is kind of the governing body of the flavor world. And it's an amazing association because all of your competitors were sitting around the table together, protecting the industry and talking about what's going on in the industry. Huge science-based association. There's a lot of the FEMA grass came from this, which is how we, it's grass means generally recognized as safe, how we make sure everything that we do in this industry is safe for our consumers. And IP is a huge part of the protection that this association gives this industry, which is really important in, as in terms of protecting your innovation. And I think the hard part for FEMA right now is a lot of it in the past has always been like under the radar. We are struggling to find flavorists all the time, all of us sitting around the FEMA table. Mm-hmm. There's only 500 flavors in the world. And then narrow that down to who are dairy flavors. It's like a needle in a haystack. I believe in the pipeline. We need to get young sixth to eighth graders getting excited about an industry that is so cool. And you can be a food hero, you know, like how cool is that? You can feed the world and, you know, from nutritional to indulgent, like. It's interesting what you're saying. Like, so you you mentioned the industry-wide sort of like trends that obviously shape the family enterprise strategy, right? Like, so you've mentioned before, like, so just industry associations like yourself, like you you have joined. We'll talk about the woman bit in a second. Like we have to almost, like in your case, it's almost <laughs> inevitable. We kind of have to. It's kind of the elephant in the room, right? Like, right. So, um, so. But I, I, you know what? Um, we need our men. We need our good men too. We, Oh, yeah. No, I mean, we need I always say we need humans like ultimately humans. That's, that's the only conversation we're actually interested in. Right. Yeah. So <laughs> I wish you could stop talking about the women's topic, but we can't yet until it's equal. But that being said, I think like what I think is very interesting is your talk about. So initially you talked about industry wide sort of like trends that make you cooperate more. Right. Like so you talked about plant based and that's sort of like pushing you into a certain uh, direction. Now you're talking about sort of like industry associations making you aware, like, you know, what is required for the industry to have a future in terms of talent. But it's so difficult sometimes, I guess, like, you know, to sort of like move companies to see it that way, right? Because you said like there were many companies before it was more competitive maybe in your father's time or your grandfather's time. So 
is it really like just a requirement now or is it just an, like something that's actually always been part of the food industry? It's gotten way better. I just think even back to my dad's era when we were going through that perfect storm and communication to our employees was so important. And my dad and that era of leaders did not share budget. You know, what are we shooting for? What's the budget for this year? What's I am an open book on that. If we aren't going the same direction, we're never going to get there. I feel like the power is in unity. When I joined Edlong Sales and R&D were like, hated each other. Salespeople weren't even allowed in the R&D building. So I, I'm just a believer in the fact that the power, there's enough to go around and the power is in the unifying. So I feel that in our industry, it's significantly shifted. As you said before, we can't ignore the fact that Edlong is currently, I believe you said, the only female-owned flavor company in the world. Talk me through how that has influenced sort of like your perception of your right to be where you where you are and where you were. Did that play into sort of like how you felt about being part of the family business initially? Oh, totally. And back to, you know, should I sell? Can they do it better? And they at least right now, are all, all men that would be buying us. And I think, you know, that this was handed to me is always something I have to absolutely fight. And I have such a great circle of trust in my leadership team and my employees that really support, wait a minute, look at what you've accomplished. And it's kind of back to that, that legacy and you can never be, you know, your father. you got to figure out who you are. And honoring the past and stepping into your own power. Whew, that's not easy. It's not easy. It is very, it's hard to do and to really look at the facts and become the leader that your people deserve. But I think the hardest part about what you've just mentioned is that that sometimes means doing something totally different from a person that you truly love and admire, right? Like, so if the predecessor is even if it's not your dad, but even just like a close relative, that's kind of upsetting, isn't it? Like it's kind of upsetting to come in and to realize actually these things should be different. And I don't think it's so much about pointing out that it went wrong in the previous generation, but it it does feel like a bit of a uncoupling, I guess. You sort of like let go of certain images and certain ideas of con of doing exactly what that person has done and finding your own way. But I feel like that transition can be challenging, right? Like Very emotionally challenging. as well. Oh, totally. And it's really how owning your legacy started. We were doing a an all company forum at Edlong, and it was a serious one. And they're usually not so serious, but it was almost like a relaunch. You know, one of those ones where I had to really be big and. I work with a speaking coach and I kept sending her my drafts of my outline for this all company form. And she kept sending them back to me going, nope, 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 nope. You're giving it all to your father. And I'm like, ah, oh! so she really forced me to do exactly what you're saying, to uncouple, to take my own path. And yeah, I mean, it's emotional. There's tears there. Yeah, it's very, but it's so important. And I can feel like I'm one of those kind of spiritual people. I can feel him cheering me on from heaven, you know, going, you go girl. So you mentioned before, like for a long time, you didn't actually talk about the business much at home. And like, you didn't sort of bring it home for a long time. It's only just started now that you're introducing them slowly into it. 
So tell me, what's been the reaction so far? And like, are there sort of like, is for you, is it hard to not start nurturing that hope that like one or like several of them would get super excited? Like, you know, do you check yourself when you're about to say you should join <laughs> or like, you know, what is it? What's it that experience I, like for you? I definitely. So at one point in my past, so I said my, you know, I joined when my dad called me in 93, I brought in at least, I think there was five of the seven of us working at Edlong in one form or fashion, be consulting for IT, outsider, whatever. And my dad's like, you're going to rue the day that you brought all your siblings. <laughs> and I'm like, it's fine. We all get along. It's, it's perfect. He was so right. And I made my life harder by doing that. I don't know if there was any other way to do it, but it, I learned a lot. I never, ever want my children to have sibling rivalry over this business. So that's my struggle of there can only be one leader. That is just for sure. I don't have like one of the five of them in my head. And my youngest is only 14. My oldest is 31. So there's a big span. I've definitely been clear right now. I don't want anyone, any of my children in it. I am just getting my footing after 30 years being in this business. But I feel like I'm just finally finding my own voice. And I don't want to have to worry about my kids being on my leadership team or I love that that they're learning about it from a different perspective right now, you know. And my one of my sons is one of my greatest fans on the Owning Your Legacy and the podcast and he is a uh, a super fan and gives his mom a lot of advice. Mom, you need to be on TikTok. You need to <laughs> It's so cute. So, I don't really have the answer yet. I I feel like I will know it when I need to know it. Maybe one of them is going to come sit me down and be like, mom, I'm really, really in interested. I, that's what I think I'm waiting for. They have to want it like crazy. And I'm happy when they're happy. My 27-year-old struggled, had a really rough time during the pandemic, a bad breakup, a really uh, unhappy job position. He has an econ major and he was in supply chain, desk work. He's a division one football player, very active guy. And he's like, I have Sunday dread. I, I love that. I love that. I don't love the concept, but understanding that if you are dreading Monday morning, you got to really think about what you're doing. So he did a lot of soul searching and he ended up wanting to do woodworking. So he's doing what he went back to Colorado, which is where he was loving it. And he's a hiker and a skier and it's like where he should be. So there's no way I could take that kid and put him in Edlong. He came during his rough, he spent six months home, kind of getting his feet on the ground and recovering from that bad breakup. And he did work at Edlong. And, and it was kind of crazy because it was like the prodigal son is home. And he was just shaking his head to me all the time going, this is not my dream. Did that like hurt in the moment where he was like, this is not me? Because I can just imagine... I mean, that moment must have brought you a little closer to your dad facing your brother at that point in time where that conversation was. And did that occur to you that this is how that feels to have that sort of, I guess, like rejected to a certain extent? I think it's so important to know what you hate and what's going to make you happy. I really and I do remember, surprisingly, the conversation with my brother and my dad, at least my perspective of it, was very amiable. He was really understanding, which wasn't always my dad either. 
he could definitely be tough, but I think he got it just as much as I get it. You, we all just want our children to be thriving, happy, contributing to the world in whatever way they find joy. I think like this is what we also don't talk about enough is like when you decide to actually work in the family business, you're taking on more than a job. You're taking on a different identity than everybody else. You're taking on a different identity than most of the people in your family. And it's something that requires time to get the hang of. I think we're both hoping, obviously, that this will be a faster uh, process for First of all, women, I would say in the future, uh, joining their family businesses, but I would say generally next gens joining their family, family businesses. So some pieces of advice for those who are about to embark on that journey, like, you know, who are about to join their legacy businesses or maybe are like, you know, joining their family offices, mindset, sort of like advice that you have. I think understanding the estate planning, whatever that even means in your family business, who has voting share? Who did, so that was one gift that I felt that I got with my dad too. We worked together for 15 years before he passed away. And I was intimately involved in all of his estate planning because he knew I was going to have to execute it. And thank God for that, you know, and I feel like we could have done some things better. We could have, you know, but for, the intention was to be very fair with all of my siblings. And I think we accomplished that. And he, I was so proud of what, you know, he gave 20 grandchildren enough to go to college and then some, and that was his intention. So I think understanding intimately what that looks like, what does it look like? And I share this with um, my children. One Garrett particularly is, I always tell him, I love the movie. It's a wonderful life. Second time I've mentioned it, but um <laughs> You know how he's like trying to go travel and then his dad passes away and then he has to go save the building alone. And I'm like, Garrett, that's your role. <laughs> Just that why. <laughs> so you need to kind of understand if something happens to me, you're going to have to, you know, so we have committee. We have not just him. He's not alone. I've got a lot of, but you have to plan that stuff. You know, you never know. And I think the kids, I just felt like when my dad passed, I had no regrets. I feel like on the business side and the personal side, everything that ever needed to be said was said. He prepared me as best he could. So I would know, you know, what to do. And I think I would just say that's important advice for anybody in a family business to just know the lay of the land, you know, and if you have issues with it, it's better to bring it up to your parent, <laughs> you know, while they're still around than to be all mad at the one that's running it. You know? <laughs> I would say if you're going to work in the family business, start at the bottom. Absolutely start as low as you possibly can and as early as you can if you're really interested because it, you got to earn that respect and you have to know what your people do. I we It's coming up on Thanksgiving, so just wrote a letter to my employees, just so grateful for all they do and, and got so many sweet responses back. Every single role is important. Literally got a, a note from my shipping and receiving guy. That was the most beautiful note and how he appreciates working for a CEO that appreciates the people. And, and I honestly, truly know that I am nothing without them. So no Sunday dread here with Lorette and be yourself. And I love the advice of like understanding the lay of the land, starting at the bottom 
and accepting that some of you might just be the first woman to ever do this or that, and it'll be fine. <laughs> You're going to be okay. You're bound to be probably some of you out there. So thank you so much, Lorette, for coming on the podcast, for sharing your story. Uh, we look forward to seeing many more innovative things coming out of Edlong. Thank you for listening to the Family Business Voice. Subscribe to our channels now on iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher, or Spotify to be notified of our weekly episodes.